Yeah. Yeah, we're putting that on there. All right. Hey, Paleo Hackers, welcome back. With me today is a very special edition. I got my friends and a good friend from the digital health space on the other line, Josh Trent, founder of Wellness Force. Got a real special story with that. Um, Voted in Analytica's top 50 digital health influencers of 2015. But get this. He has trained over 10,000 sessions working with people. So, I mean, he knows his stuff, and uh, I love this dude. So with us today on the other end is Josh Trent. What up, man? Thanks, Clark. When you say 10 grand, I'm like, wow, that is kind of a lot. It's a lot. If, if you only had a yeah. dollar for everyone, $10 for everyone. I would love that. Yeah. I would love that. <laughs> you probably did at one point, but, you know, when you're getting yeah. into podcasting and spend $500 microphones, it kind of... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is not free to podcast. It's not, man. Well, we were chatting before the call. I mean, I'm excited. We we talk all the time, and that's one reason um, I wanted you on the show is because I went on your show, and, and you know we've been chatting for eight months or so. And so today I busted out the backrest. I'm I'm leaning back into it. I'm relaxing. It's going to be kind of a different feel, um, or or not. I mean, we'll see really what happens. But you know, it's totally outside the box of what this usual show is, which is me, you know, interviewing guests and. Give us the five tips on gluten removal. And, you know, it's it's more of a relaxed vibe. And you got such a one of the reasons I wanted to get you on here is because you have such a unique story about how you transitioned from corporate America world to what you're doing now, which is empowering lives through technology. And now you're crushing it with Wellness Force. You just launched your own podcast. Um, again, you know, you got voted in top 50 influencers 2015. And so, I mean, you're crushing it now, dude, and it's really cool to see that transition. Um, so, I guess first question is kind of set us up, set us set up the listeners right now or the viewers. What was that transition like, and and what was going through that process? Yeah, man. First off, thanks for having me on the show. This is actually the most casual interview I think I've had. So I think this will really be a unique insight as to what goes on behind the scenes in production, but also personally. Um, So yeah, the, I think the journey started in 2003, 2003, I was at a party by San Diego state and I had one of these moments where have you, have you read the book by Dean Karnazes, the ultra marathon man? No. He's this like endurance athlete where he just like ran home drunk from a party one night and then he ran 50 marathons in a row. That's kind of oh, a that moment. dude. Yeah. The 50 marathons that, in a row guy. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's kind of what happened to me. I was really unhappy. I was, uh, I was actually an automotive technician in mm. the first phase of my life. So I didn't know what I wanted, but I knew that I was kind of like filling it with alcohol and filling it with just like partying and having quote, quote fun. So I snapped one night and I just, I'm like, you know what? I don't want this anymore. So I ran home. And from that night, I literally like had a Dean Carnassus moment. I ran home. I got home. I started researching what I could do to lose weight and be more healthy. So this is like 2003. And I didn't know what I wanted. So for the next year, I just stocked away money. I moved to Hawaii. I sold everything I owned. I sold my truck. I sold my possessions. And I just left. I wanted to feel better. I mean, I knew that there was more to life than just enjoying and having fun. There's a, there's a, there's a quote by this musician. He's like, you know, everybody's out celebrating, but what exactly are you celebrating? Like people are just masking it with partying and drinking. Well, that was me. I was 22, 23, and I was just like having fun, but really not perpetuating a purpose. So I moved to Hawaii and I fished and I hiked and I surfed and I started researching what it actually took to be healthy. And I'm working out at a 24-hour fitness there in Hawaii Kai. And this fitness manager comes up to me and he says, hey, I've watched you work out 
have you ever thought about training people like being a trainer? And I was like, what's a trainer? I didn't even know what a personal trainer was at this time. And he's like, you know, you, you help people. And he showed me the job and I was like, wow, this is totally for me. Like I had this lightning bolt go off and I thought, well, this will be a great way for me to learn how to have my own health and wellness and also empower other people. So I did that for 10 years. I was a fitness manager in clubs. I, I went through the entire journey of every certification you could ever imagine. I trained over 10,000 sessions hmm. and then the wheels kind of fell off the wagon in 2011, 2012, I had a falling out with a mentor. Um, I created a lot of negative belief systems, which will be something really unique that we can touch on later in the show. Sure. But these belief systems took me down a road where I just wasn't good enough to, to do what I was doing. I wasn't a good trainer. I wasn't a good wellness professional. Little did I know that I had already helped like someone lose a hundred pounds inspired thousands of people. Like none of that mattered because of these beliefs that I had, that I had structured. And so I totally left. I just said, you know what? I'm out. I'm going to go back to corporate America where it's safe. I'm going to get a, a steady paycheck coming in. I'm going to have um, uh, some kind of success. I'm going to do it in the health and wellness field. I'm going to sell endurance sports software. And um, I'll never forget, Clark, like the very first day I sat down at the desk back at corporate America, I had this like ESPN ticker tape come across my forehead and it was, it had this message written on it. It said, this is where grown men go to die. And I just had that feeling. I was like, I should not be here. But these belief systems that I had structured were so powerful that it completely removed all, all heart from, from what I was doing. And it was basically just like the egotistical mind, like safety, security, things like that. So my reptilian brain was in full effect. I wanted to have shelter. I wanted to have food. I was stressed out about like not making money and not being good enough and things like that. So after two years of that, waking up every morning feeling honestly depressed, like being in a state of mild depression for a couple of years. Um, Cause it sucks. I mean, you're not doing what you want to do, which is creative work and entrepreneurship and expressing yourself. You know, you're getting up, going to the corporate America grind with a ticker on your head. Exactly. And so after two years, so yeah, after two years, I started to get this feeling in my stomach, like I have to make a change because I was, I was literally committing spiritual suicide. Like financially right. I was okay. Right. But who I am is different. And I've come to grips with this. I am born to be somebody who's an entrepreneur. I've always been that way. I had my business for three years where I was training clients. That was where I felt like I was truly alive. And what happened was though, is I got the gift. I got the gift of goodbye. So I was working for this company. It was a startup. They had some issues with management changes and it was just a great opportunity for me to move on. And so I got this beautiful gift of yeah. being able to introduce myself back into working with people, creating content in the digital health space. But I want to back up, Clark, because really this, this spark of change happened a year prior. So we're talking September 2014. I went with my girlfriend to the screening of this film. It's called Personal Goal. It's a documentary by two Olympic athletes, Sky and Tamara Christofferson. Yeah. And in this, in this film, they documented Quantified Self. And I don't know if you've had any guests on your show about Quantified Self or self-tracking yet. A little bit, a little bit. Here okay, so, so your audience might resonate a little bit with just self-quantification, you know, knowing yourself through your numbers. Some people do food logs. Some people do step counters. Some people do HRV. Oh, is that what quantified self means like the numbers with yourself and the data yeah so okay, never so, under, never paired that up because okay. the quantified self movement was just this like buzz term floating around and i, know, I didn't and know what it meant 
Honestly, I think it could be worded a little bit differently, but it is yeah. what it is now. It's kind of so, like quantum, um, you know, when people throw out quantum and you're just like, the hell does that even mean? I don't even know. Yeah. Or it kind of reminds me of the show Quantum Leap, you know, where the guy would like kind of like MacGyver, but he would go through yeah. time change. Consciousness <laughs> too is another one, you know, like all yeah. these buzzwords. Quant- quantified self was one. So thanks. Yeah. So, so anyways, during this film, they, they took these Olympic athletes through like this six month journey of doing sleep tracking, a a little bit of biohacking, but self quantification through devices and apps and basically technology that was completely empowering these athletes, taking their sleep cycles, tweaking their sleep, sleep cycles, tweaking their food, tweaking everything about their lifestyle and their training, but based off of tracking them with devices and apps. So in this movie, I just, I, I, I knew it was something great. And I knew it was something that was burgeoning and growing, but it, honestly, the, the lightning bolt happened like a couple weeks later, my girlfriend and I went to this sound healing meditation, you know, where they put like the crystal bowls on your body. It was actually really, really cool. And, um, I'm driving home and I just had this like thought and I had to pull over and I, I, I was like, get your phone out. I want to just record all my thoughts. And I realized like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is my rebirth. This is where I can start over because all the things that frustrated me about personal training in the past where clients weren't accountable and I would show them everything as to what they needed to do. We would dial them in. We would periodize their workouts. We would give them nutrition, but they didn't have that framework. They didn't have that outside framework of accountability right. like, like I saw in this movie. And I just had this moment where I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to create this framework for people using these devices that can really empower them to yield this sustainable long-term change instead of just kind of like 30 days and then they're in and out. Yeah, so that yeah. was and using the data to really see the feedback and see the results and see the markers. It's the, some tangible numbers, which works for a lot of people. You know, it's, it's kind of like trying to balance your checking account without numbers, just trying to like think about what you spent. I think I spent $20 last week on eBay. Okay, I just ordered that crock pot on Amazon for 70. I think it's about there versus like seeing the spreadsheet on your US bank statement like, "Oh, I did spend $120 at Walmart buying, you know, random glassware or whatever." Like that's what I do. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like having numbers, I mean, obviously makes you level up, makes you more accountable, gives you better markers and uh especially for me, man, and, and I know a lot of other people like, give me something I can see. Give me something I can work with. And numbers seem to be that. So you saw the movie. You have got inspired by the numbers. You started messing around with stuff on yourself. And, yeah. uh, and how did Wellness Force come all about? Well, Wellness Force is, has been my company since 2009. So it was the genesis of all my training history and all my certifications there. But really what it is, is we're born with that. Everyone has that chi, that life force inside of them. And all it is to essentially know your wellness force is just to tap the the energy that's already inside of you. So wellness force is something that's extrapolated from these devices, but it's there already. Okay. All these tools, all these apps, all these different things, they're awesome, but they're tools. Yeah. It's, the in- it's the intention behind the tool that's worth way more than the tool itself. So these, these apps and devices are powerful. But anyway, so what happened was I made this transition into doing self-exploration and I started working with apps and buying different wearables and seeing what worked and seeing what didn't. There's a lot of crap out there, to be honest. Yeah, it's tons of crap. That's, that's why I haven't gotten into it. It just seems like cheap made in China crap. 
like I, McDonald's pedometers that used to get in Happy Meals that would like you could just shake them and they'd get like a thousand on there and then you'd actually <laughs> yeah. wear them and it'd be like 20 and you're just like this thing is, is worthless but yeah. anyway sorry to detract from what you're saying there's no, a lot of crap you started experimenting with them there's a lot of there's a lot of of early stage equipment that doesn't have validity because people are just trying to get it to market but there is a lot of money coming into this space from pharmaceutical from fitness from wellness companies like Gaim has actually part partnered recently with Muse, the brain sensing headband. Yeah. We're going to have the the founder of Muse on my show in a bit, and she's going to talk about why she created Muse and the science behind it. So we have some academia and some very large companies that are pumping in millions of dollars into this space. So even though it's early, there's a lot of history attached to it already. And on top of that, follow the money. Under yeah. Armour just spent $500 million getting 120 million user avatars from Endomoto and Map My Fitness. So if you want to think about where things are going in fitness and in digital health, follow the trail of investment. What's a, what's a user avatar? Like the, the profiles? So, yeah. So, so Clark, now if you wear a Fitbit, we're going to know where you step, how you step, how you sleep and how you eat. And that's uh, powerful. Not only from a, from a life changing, it, it is kind of like big that's brother right. at yeah. the same time. But, but the cool thing about it though, man, is that now we get this really high level view of exactly who you are. Like, how do you show up in your life? Sure. You know, what kind of wellness person are you or what kind of person are you that are taking away from your wellness? Sure. Man, that's a cool story. And I think a lot of people resonate with it. And, and uh, I remember, so, I mean, you know how it's going to conclude. I remember this is kind of where I come in like eight months ago when you get this recharge of, of what you're going to do with wellness force and you're all amped up about it. And uh, you give me the call, and I, I remember the coffee shop I was in on Capitol Hill, and we were having it. It was a really good conversation, but um, yeah, you called me out of the blue, and were telling me all about what you wanted to do. And I mean, dude, like a year later, now you're you're crushing it with the podcast, very professional. Um, I listened to a few episodes of it. Uh, you, you clearly have some stuff of what you want to do, top 50 influencers, writing blog posts, getting some traction going. So it's just really cool to see that progression, and for a lot of people listening, um, how they relate and fall into it because this isn't something that just Josh did and no one else can do. This is something that if you're listening right now and you don't like the job or the situation or the position you're in, you're not stuck. You can get out there and make change happen. You just have to be willing to go down that unsafe path, risky path, dangerous path and sacrifice the safety. I mean, you really do. Are you going to fall back into safety or are you going to step into growth? And uh, that choice is something we make in go with the growth. It, we make it every day. We do. And and so what you're saying is go with the growth. You know, you, you did both. You went with corporate America. It's not who you are. It was life sucking. You had the ticker on your head. And now you're doing more of the um, the growth path, which is also the more risky path. I mean, yeah, when you don't have checks coming in and your bills are still due and your rent's due and you got to pay for good quality food and maybe even have dependents. Like I know a lot of people have kids and family and all this other shit they got to take care of uh, that they can't even they can't even really do this. It's not financially feasible. And so that adds to the stuckness as well. And I mean, this is this is a long rant. The point of it's basically to say, like, don't let that negative self talk get in the way don't let the reasons of why you can't over throw the reasons of why you can. Powerful, man. Yeah. 
And, but those reasons, by the way, that you talk about can stack up real quick. And I got a, a few years on you, you know, I'm 35, so yeah. you're 23, right? 24 yeah, coming up on 24. Yeah. So, so right. So it's interesting because I can draw parallels between you and I, even before the show, we were talking about how, no matter how far you are in your journey, no matter how much, you know, no matter how educated you are, belief systems are ingrained from childhood. I mean, they go way back, right? Yeah. So the, the value that we put on, on who we think we are and what we think we're worth. I mean, if you don't explore those, if I don't explore those, then they're going to come up when I'm 50, when I'm 60, when I'm 70, they'll never going to go away. So one of the things that's been really powerful that I've done through this work is a lot of personal development. I know you're a huge fan of personal development. We've talked about a lot of books that we've shared, um, same authors that we've read. And what I like to focus on every single day is doing something where I'm chipping away at that belief system. Cause it's always going to be there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to bullshit myself and say, Oh, you know, positivity reigns yeah. because positive thinking only goes so far. So like if I'm really going to move forward in my life and create what I want to create, which is serving a million people through technology and bettering their wellness through a million people, that's going to take a lot of exploration into the value of the person I am. So personal development's huge. The, the ways in which I've done that personal development have been some experiential workshops. And if people are looking to be an entrepreneur or launch their business, or somebody's looking at this show and thinking like, oh, well, you know, these guys were born into it or they were, they had a silver spoon. It is, I, I could, it could not be farther from the truth. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, my mom was um, a single mom. I was, I was raised on welfare. I, I don't have a quote college degree, but I have a lot of experience. I have a lot of knowledge. I have a lot of certs and I did the work. And I'm continuing to do the work and I will never let up from doing that work because when you stop doing the inner work, that's when you stop getting successful. Yeah. You got more letters after your name than I can even pronounce. I mean, there's like just CCPT 9927Z. Like it looks like a barcode. You got a lot of letters. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, it's all credibility is all about letters. So the more letters you have after your name, the more credible you are. Yeah. I see some of these uh, public speakers and it literally is like 10 times longer than their actual name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. You get into it. But OK. So, yeah. Wellness Force is alive and well. It's cranking. You got your podcast that just launched and you're here today. We're talking about, you know, everything we, we've been talking about, which is accountability, lifestyle change, behavior modification, uh, different mentalities, limiting beliefs, technology, all that stuff's alive and well. And uh yeah, man. I mean, I don't really know where we want to start. We can just keep going with kind of the, the progression. And I, I guess limiting beliefs is a big one because the person right now who's listening to this, and we've already kind of talked to them, but I want to really identify it. They're saying, I've always wanted to start my own entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, I've always wanted to start my own online blog. I'm really passionate about health. I'm really passionate about fitness, and I want to start a blog. But I am too. I'm too scared that it'll not work out or I don't want to do it full time or I mean, you know, like what, what are some of the beliefs that you see people have that are holding them back? Mm, I think the, the number one is what if it doesn't work out? But what if it doesn't work out is what? It's just a fear that it won't be exactly like you have an expectation of it being. So starting something without a 100% clear expectation is beautiful. Just start. And then as you go along, you're going to change 10 times anyways. I was working on something for six months that I completely scrapped. So I put, I put money into it. I put a a lot of time into it. 
it was something around where I was going to position the podcast as digital health transformation. And the reason that I went with wellness force is because that's who I am. That's, that's exactly what resonates with me. I know that's my brand. I'm very clear and conscious about that. But instead of doing something from the heart, I was trying to work from the head. So I was thinking, Oh, I'll, I'll create something that's more catchy that people may, you know, it might get that early hook, right. but people pe- that that's short term results. The long term of what I'm trying to do is create a sustainable framework of change for people for years and years and years. And there's nothing about transformation that's short. Transformation happens over the course of thousands of hours. So really wellness force, the reason I kept it was because that is me. Like that's the thousands of hours that I've put in on myself doing the work. And that's, that's why I kept it. So for people that are wondering like, should I start? Should I not start? Uh, Am I good enough to start? Just start because the, the fact that you put your foot forward and do it, that's going to actually be the deciphering factor in whether or not it works out anyways. It's like analysis, paralysis by analysis, right? Right. right. And I mean, we're talking limiting beliefs. And I know one thing that gets thrown around in these public speaking or personal development calls, whatever authors talk about it all the time, is that negativity sway bias. You know, that Stanford study that was showing you have 60,000 thoughts a day, 90% is the day before, 80% are negative. I mean, there's negativity, negativity, boom, 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 rapid fire. You know what I mean? And so it's like we have this loop of just automatic negative thoughts, the ants, they call it, right? ANTS, automatic negative thoughts, just playing over and over again. I mean, constantly, like when you're driving, like uh, you think about that asshole in front of you that cut you off. When you're home, you know, someone does something something quirky like your girlfriend leaves dishes on the sink oh my god she's leaving the dishes on the sink i have to do everything around here you know when you're on a call that doesn't go too well uh you're you're thinking oh my god i'm such a bad interviewer i should have asked him x y and z uh when you're when you're online you look at other people's blogs and you're like man theirs is more clean together and crisp when you're at the gym and you see people are more fit than you you're like oh man i wish i could be that fit all these stupid negative thoughts that really take away from your happiness and don't do anything towards it So then, you know, in terms of limiting beliefs, you're fighting an uphill battle. You are. Whenever you want to get into personal development or any kind of change, it's always that uphill battle of fighting against that loop that's playing over and over and over again, which is why it's so freaking important, man, to get on these kind of calls and to talk about it with people or to seek out information or to to learn more about yourself, to make changes in the right direction. Because, man, it is an uphill battle. Yeah. And, and uphill, it's still possible. It just takes constant effort. I think we had talked about like the voices are always going to be there. So have you ever seen that movie with Robin Williams, the one where there's the dragon where his like wife gets killed and then he has this dragon. He's the homeless guy in that movie. Do you I know what I'm saw, talking I about? I only saw, oh wait, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that book Do, one, that book the, one, right? The book one, right? Yeah. So he's like, he's, he's insane in the movie and, um, and this dragon keeps coming up and the dragon's like, you're nothing, you're, you're nothing, you're crap, stay on the streets, stay on the streets. And then finally at the end of the movie, I mean, you know, Killjoy here, but he he defeats the dragon, not by telling the dragon he's not there, but by just recognizing and acknowledging that the dragon is there hmm. and then still moving forward with life. And that's what these belief systems are. Like they're so ingrained from childhood that there's no way you're going to be able to just extract and let go. Right. Like you're, you're just going to have to acknowledge and let go because they're never going to go away. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm really focused on, man, is like being comfortable in the uncomfortableness of the dragon being there, of the belief systems being there. Because I think there's a lot of talk, especially in the fitness industry of like, fake it till you make it. Just put on a smile and it'll all go away. No, it won't. Cause you still have to go to sleep that night. 
Yeah. And you got to go to bed with those thoughts anyways. So do you really want to be a fake? Yeah. Like, do, do you want to be that, authentic worse, or not? That's worse than the actual feeling, man. Being a fake. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and for sure, and, and not to take away from your rant, but the times that like I'm on the podcast calls um, and I feel like I have to be interviewer Clark and I'm not like authentic Clark are the calls I walk away from like, man, something doesn't feel right. Like, why don't I have that high I normally get from a really good authentic interaction? Yeah. You know? and, and there's guests I get that interaction with, but it's not everyone. I'd say it's probably 60% of them. And I walk away from those calls feeling really expressed and authentic and creative and my whole day is better. But like when I have those calls, I feel like I have to either uh, lie about what I'm doing in my own health and that I don't eat Snickers bars or whatever from time to time. You know, like th- <laughs> those calls where I feel like I have to fit this mold yeah. and fake it. Those are the calls I walk away from. Like, ah, something doesn't feel right, man. It feels like out of integrity or authenticity. I mean, speaking of authentic, you're like, hey, did you know we're going to video? And I was like, well, maybe I should make the bed and like, you know, <laughs> I have a backwards baseball hat on. Yeah, and a hoodie. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is about as authentic as it gets. So I, I sure. love these kind of calls. And I can resonate with you a lot because I've interviewed people where it's been outstanding. And I leave and I'm just like, wow, I'm like charged for the whole day. And then I've had yeah. some interviews where I'm just like, you know what? Like, that person didn't open. They never opened up. They like, just gave like me. Like when their- I was on that show, no. <laughs> ours is pretty good, actually. Okay, good. Except for the power failure. Good. Except for the power failure, that kind of sucked. That was the best. But um, but I I know what you're saying, and and, the, and these types of conversations happen with coaches. They happen with therapists. They happen with wellness practitioners. It's all about who's going to get more real. Like the more real you get and the faster you get there, the quicker you're going to get results. But there is so much, and I'm speaking from my own mind. There is so many levels of belief that. They're essentially just habits, right? You have sure. this habit of belief. It's based on a story from your past. And these are the things that as, as human beings, we get to get through. Yeah. And, and, and totally too, man. I mean, we're talking about intentions and the intention of behind like why you're opening up and why you're being authentic and why you're being radically honest is as important as what you're actually sharing. Because the girl who opens up first thing off the bat at a cocktail party and talks about like emotional trauma from her childhood, you're like, red flag, <laughs> no thank you. It's like, probably not going to work out. Like we yeah. like attention, like the, to me that just screams like desperation, attention, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But like the people who you know, and then they open up and you get a different vibe from someone who's being authentic, open and real from a place of of being genuinely like vulnerable versus you do from a place of where they're like attention seeking or victim playing. Sure. Absolutely. Because victimhood is something where you're constantly getting other people to validate it for you. So you're like, Hey, did you know I'm a victim? Here's why. Let me tell you all my stories. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, it's a, it's, it's a form there, but you know, I think one thing we touched on, which is accountability, whether it be, yeah, you're right. Like a therapist or a friend or a podcast that you listen to or something. It's, it's one thing to read the books and it's one thing to do the journaling and it's one thing to listen to our conversation, but it's another thing to get in the conversation and have it for yourself. And that's one thing I, I one of my biggest lessons this year, man, is I used to listen to these kinds of podcasts um, nonstop, you know, other people's health podcasts, different personal development podcasts, just like you're listening in on a cool conversation. And then I started realizing that I would take on their thoughts and their beliefs and kind of articulate them in my own life and that I really, Something, something didn't feel right. It felt like I was faking it till you make it. And it's only where you do the work yourself, not borrowing things from other people, 
where you start to see the the benefits and i think the best way is accountability like actually sitting down with your friends and having a three-hour long conversation Mm. about about life and struggles or whatever you're working on or actually seeking out the therapy and getting someone who can listen to you be a third-party perspective and articulate back what you're trying to work through i think that accountability of having someone else there is such an important important growing tool that we don't focus on enough yeah. And, and exactly what you're talking about is the power of this digital health, because these are accountability systems. Like you're saying, like mm. have a group or have somebody that you work with. Right. This is exactly why these devices are so powerful. This is Fitbit surge. So this is like a heart rate tracker step and sleeps and, and you can put in food if you're your phone. But that's, that's the conspiracy government one where they can get all your information. Yeah. They're the already selling it anyways. Yeah. They're already selling it to people. So you're um, selling but, out but, Josh. Well, we all do. Right. But if, as long as I'm selling out to my own health, I'm okay with that. (laughs) But these, these devices are phenomenal because now you can have like 30 people. If you're a coach, you can have 30 people that you're all checking their steps and you're gamifying it. You're making it fun. Now for you, when we had talked about digital health, it's not something that you've been integrating yet, but there are five out of 10 Americans that have either purchased a wearable or are thinking about purchasing a wearable in 2016. So this market is exploding and it's because people want more accountability. Like what you're talking about with, with people that meet up with a partner or people that go to a coach, what do they want? They want results. They want to get better. They want to actually see progress. They want the needle to move. These devices now offer really powerful mirrors that shine activity back to someone and say like, Hey, Jane Smith, like this is actually how you're sleeping. This is actually granularly how you're working out. This is the calories you're eating. This is the calories you're putting out. So all of these devices and all these apps, they're just mindfulness. They're just accentuated mindfulness. They're mirrors of mindfulness. So the way that these devices are going to make people better is by holding people's feet to the fire. They're not for everyone. These devices are really made for people that want to truly get better, hmm. that don't want to have these these existential crises anymore, right? And it's not a it's not a one size fits all. It's not a blanket statement because as we talked about before, the intention is way more powerful than the tool. Yeah. But but the tool is the most powerful set that we've seen in all of fitness and all of wellness because finally a physician or a coach or a trainer can get all the data they've always wanted about someone and it's accurate. It's very, very accurate. Of course, it's not 100% accurate because at this stage in the game, it's early, but it's accurate enough to know that if you're, if you're, tra- if you're a trainer and your, your client is coming in, you know exactly how they're being when they're not with you. And that's never been possible before. So if you were to convince me, because I'm, I'm probably in the 50% that's thinking about it. I don't know how they pull that. Like, are you thinking about it? Like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'm thinking about it. Count me in. What one should I get in 2016? What's the first one I should try out? I think for you, because you're just kind of checking it out and getting a feel for it, you should just get like a very basic one, like get like a misfit where it just tracks your steps, it tracks your workouts, it tracks your sleep. That's what it's called, a misfit? It's called a misfit. Yeah. Cool name, right? Yeah, it is kind of cool. And um, something basic like that, the the heart rate tracking at the wrist, I've done split testing where it's not as accurate as at the at the brachial nerve. So the brachial nerve is a lot more a lot more succinct. You're gonna the closer the heart you get, the more accurate your measurement's gonna be. Hmm. So these these wrist trackers and even the Apple Watch, they're they're the reason they're not accurate is because they're they're really far away from the heart. So for somebody that's just looking into the space. Go with the basic wearable, spend 50 to $75, get a misfit tracker and just start thinking about how many hours you're sedentary, how many hours you're active 
and then cross-reference that with your results. And then you'll start seeing, you know, maybe there's a reason why I'm not getting what I want. Okay. So that's, that's about the price range for a basic buy-in is about 50 to 70. Yeah, I think so. Okay. And, and I think that he's going to get cheaper too. Yeah, probably. And they, do they integrate with your like smartphone app or how does that work? The cool part about these uh, bracelets is that you get real-time updates via your smartphone. So you can go in, you can log your calories, you can start to figure out when your energy systems are off during the day. So if you've been sitting for eight hours, your app will tell you. If you've been active enough, your app will tell you. So you start getting this positive feedback loop because as you talked about, for some people, and it's been the case for me in my life, there's some software that runs and its default is kind of like not serving. <laughs> it's very, it's a, it's not a very healthy default software. It's eat as much as you can, sit as much as you can. That's the default for some of us. Yeah. So with these devices for someone like me or clients that I've worked with, it can get somebody out of that old software and get them into actually doing the behavior that will give them those results. You ever feel like a slave to it though? Like if your iPhone's telling you, it's kind of like the nagging mom over your shoulder, like do the dishes, take out the garbage, clean your bed, clean your room. Like, do you ever feel like your iPhone becomes like, get up and walk, stop sleeping so much or like, you know, all those things. Does it ever bug you? Well, it does, it's not as aggressive as like a sock puppet coming up, but it is, um, it is something where discipline is freedom. I've always felt this way. The choices that we have to make, I read a book recently, um, Gretchen Rubin, she wrote um, a book on habits and she talks about the choice. What really drives people crazy is having to choose. So if you want to lose weight and you want to be healthy, then choose that choice. Then when it comes to Monday morning and you're looking at a plate of cookies, the choice is removed. You don't have to worry if you're going to take the bite of the cookie or if you're going to eat the crap because you've already chosen that you're sure, not. Sure. So it's, it's the discipline that becomes the freedom. So am I all about a wearable or an app pointing me in the right direction of discipline being freedom? Absolutely. I'm like absolutely discipline in that becomes freedom. I like that. It's like 99% a bitch, a hundred percent a breeze. You know, when you have that, yeah. no, no gray area kind of mindset with certain things, right? With certain things, I want to say that, but health being one of those things, it takes the the willpower muscle out of it, and and you just commit. It's no questions asked. You don't have to think about it. You shouldn't be standing at aisle seven in Whole Foods for thirty minutes trying to pick out crackers. You know, like and there's like fifty kinds of crackers sitting there, and then thirty minutes later, you know, you're reading labels: which one has gluten, which one's with almond flour, which one's coconut flour, and then you realize you're you're just picking out stupid crackers. And is it really worth your thirty minutes? And so we we use this this decision making thing on on dumb right. things like all seven Whole Foods crackers when we yeah. could be putting it towards other things like. I don't know, where should we go on the date for dinner tonight or something like that, you know? And and, and you're so right, man, that like kind of willpower, uh, freedom and discipline. I like that way of you put it. Yeah. And you touched on willpower. Willpower at the end of the day is actually chemically lowered. So it's not like, oh, it's hard for me to make choices at night. It actually physiologically is hard for you to make choices at night because willpower is a basically a chemical set where at night you have less of it. Hmm. And they talk about this all over behavior change science where at the beginning of your day, your willpower is strong. So if you want to go to Whole Foods in the morning and figure out your crackers, that might be like a five minute aisle time. But at night, yeah, you're going to have more um, wishy-washy type of emotion around what you should do and what you shouldn't do unless you've removed the choice. Right. If you, if you remove the choice, then you don't have to worry about the conversation with crackers for 30 minutes. They call it willpower fatigue too. And it's been, I, I've seen the stuff in books and like habit formation articles which is really fascinating 
especially in this day and age. And, uh, you know, there's significantly more mess ups with surgeons late at night. There's significantly more uh, calories that get consumed later in the day. I mean, no one's eating chocolate cake for breakfast. And if you are, it must have been a hell of a weekend. But you know what I mean? Like, sounds like, like the 4th of July weekend. <laughs> it sounds like Josh's 4th of July weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was yeah. talking about that. Uh, glad you got the reference. But it, you know wasn't, it wasn't chocolate cake, but hey. But yeah, hey, it was yeah. close. Yeah. But late at <laughs> night is when you start binging on the crap because all day you've had to be at work making decisions and you have to come home. Which road do I take? You have to blah, 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 blah. Okay, screw it. I'll eat the cake. For me, it was beer after a long day of uh, working. I, I worked with kids at Boys and Girls Club uh, for you know, about eight months just on and off and loved it. I mean, didn't feel like work at all, but man, talk about being in a role where you have to make decisions. You got to plan stuff. You got to take care of 50 middle schoolers. You know what I mean? You have to like make sure they're doing things. You're watching 50 people. So when I got home from work, I was like, I am so done making decisions. I don't even want to decide what I have for dinner. So I just go in and and grab a few beers or whatever and, and crack those open. But started to progress more towards being automated systems. So in the morning when I woke up, I didn't want to think about what I had to make every single morning for breakfast. I just wanted to know I was going to have eggs, some bacon, maybe sausage and vegetables. Boom. Let's do that five days a week. Put your food intolerances and you're going to eat the same thing. Like stop thinking about that. Start thinking about the benefits of like not having to decide of like preserving this willpower. Yeah. And you and you reserve the right to change your systems. But if something's working and you're feeling good about it working and it requires as little planning and thought as possible, go for it. Yeah, man. So what other systems do you like to automate in your life? I think for me, the automation of online, like I use Evernote, I use a software called Rescue Time. And this quantified self space is really cool because half of it's academia. I mean, kind of like dorks. And I think dorks run the world because I'm one of them. And then the other half is more street smarts. So it's people that are actually looking for this data to find meaning in it. So what's cool about this movement is that there's all these different hacks that you can do. I think on your show, people talk about like biohacking and life hacking and things like that. This movement helps people hack their day so that you can actually get more time so you can spend 30 minutes, you know, looking at crackers. Right. No, no, I'm just joking. what you want in life. So that you can have that time to be more healthy. I mean, that's really what this is. So I like to automate systems where if I work with a virtual assistant, then I'll create a massive list of Mm. everything that I have to do. And then there's check marks, bubbles in Evernote. Do you use Evernote? No, haven't gotten on it. Oh man, you got, you got, you got to use Evernote. You got to check it out. Too confused. I like the to-do list. That's that's what I thought. That's what I thought in the beginning, but like but then right the more here. you use something, oh, you go old school. I go old but school. The You're going to get checked off after this, man. <laughs> the more you the more you use a tool, just like anything else, the easier it gets. Okay. So I'm also you know working with Audition and, and trying to edit podcasts, sound waves, and that software. And like the the quicker that I can get something automated where I can give it to someone or I can pay someone a little bit of money to help me so that I can focus on creating the content or learning how I can be this better version of myself. That's way more important. I think in my early in my journey, I got tripped up because I would start to do all these things and I, I felt like I had to do it all on my own. 
Like I, I didn't think it was worth it to pay somebody because my finances were limited and um, I didn't want to spend 50 bucks to have someone help me edit because I wanted to learn how to edit and I'd make it perfect. But then I just realized like, no, I can take those couple of hours and I can put it towards a workout or I can put it towards creating a blog post or I can put it towards something that's going to bring even more value to myself or somebody else instead of just holding on to this belief where if I don't do it myself, then it won't work out. Right, right. And, and that kind of I'll do it all myself. Um, you know, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. Like this gets perpetuated throughout everything. And and I think part of the reason you become an entrepreneur is because you have a creative mindset and, and you see things, you're a visionary and you see things better than they are and you want to create that. But that also can backfire on the shadow side of that being you have you think you have to do it all yourself and everything has to be done by you and that only Josh can do it like how Josh wants it so therefore I have to take on you know the 20 plus hours of editing it takes to get a season's podcast out or or whatever right yeah but it's becoming a good delegator so if if someone's listening and they're overwhelmed i mean not a week goes by where i don't feel overwhelmed about something yeah so if the the way that you feel less overwhelmed is by having the proper delegation skills to give the right tasks to the right person at the right time yeah. When you do that, when you do that, then you start making progress because like the number one things that has tripped me up and that trips people up when they're starting their entrepreneurial journey is they get, they, they trip over doing just this one task perfectly. Just get it out there. There's yeah. a quote by Reed, uh, the guy who developed LinkedIn, I think it's Reed Hoffman. And, um, he said, if you're not completely ashamed by your first product, then you waited too long to put it out. Hmm. And it's okay. very true. Like yeah. just get it out there. You're going to change it anyways. I mean, I, I told you I did something for six months and scrapped it. Like you're going to change it. Yeah. So just do it, put it out there as the, as the tumbleweed rolls down the hill, it's going to get smaller. You're going to change it. So just, just go do it. I like that. Um, I like the emphasis on shipping that Seth Godin puts on it too. He's always like shipping, you know, anything that's ever got, anything that's ever been useful in life has shipped this iMac, these uh, water bottles, this microphone, that hat, like it's all shipped. The emphasis should be on shipping. The ship date, don't move it, don't change it, don't push it back. Just do it and send it out. And then you can start revising it and get feedback. Yes. Th- this, you know what comes up for me right now with you saying just ship it what? is I, I actually, I picked the, the date for launch for podcast and I was like, it's going to be June 22nd, no matter what. And little did I know that it was going to be the most work I could have ever freaking imagined like those last two weeks was like the most work I think I've ever done in my life. Like 14 hour days, like outsourcing phone calls, emails, the most work I've ever done. But then I did it. Yeah. And, and you have to just pick a date. So if like, if you have a health goal or if you have a business goal, like pick right. a date and lock it in and you can't change it. Yep. Yep. And that's the accountability that people need. Absolutely. And, and that's the discipline, the freedom within discipline. And what's that? Is it Parkinson's law that uh, tasks expand to the time allotted? So basically, you know, take it back to your uni days or your high school days. When you had a paper due Friday, when were you doing it? Thursday night. doesn't matter when yeah, it got probably assigned. Probably like 10 o'clock. 10, yeah, o'clock, 10 o'clock Thursday night. Maybe if you're a real slacker, you get up at 6 a.m. and hit it, hit it hard. But, <laughs> yeah. so, so we put it off to the last minute and it's not just you. It's not just me. It's not the person listening. It's everyone. It's, it's like this psychological thing we've developed now. Um, and so if your task is going to expand to the time you allow it, then you, that's why deadlines are such powerful motivators. I mean, look at how many people 
uh, get in shape for weddings. Why? Because they have that deadline on June 28th. I'm getting married. You know what I mean? And so I have to get in shape by then. Or um, businesses, like you said, you know, okay, on June 22nd, I'm launching my podcast. Everything needs to be aligned for it. So I think with a lot of people or fitness competitions, you know, by April 15th, I'm getting in that fitness competition for the first time and I'm going to be on stage. So I need to diet down. The more you can set a deadline and break it down, that's kind of your discipline. And then you can go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you don't have that thing you're working towards, then what's going to motivate you when things get hard? Yeah, it's going to be really difficult to keep going when there's no actual date that holds you accountable, at least for me. So aside from wearables, uh, setting deadlines, you know, willpower, all this stuff, what other methods are you implying in your everyday life for kind of technology, um, like accountability? Let's stay on that topic. What do you do? How do you keep yourself accountable? Yeah, putting in a, a system that you don't deviate from. So in the same way that you automate things online... I've put in a system in my life where every single day I try to structure it A, B, C, D, E. And I don't deviate from that because the times that I do deviate from that are the times where I start being that guy in the aisle thinking about crackers. It's like, when's the decision? How am I going to make the decision when I've removed the decision in my life? So uh, this morning I did. um, Are you familiar with Hal Elrod? Mm Mm-mm. So Hal Elrod is a motivational speaker. He died when he was 20 in a car crash, came back to life, made a book called um, The Miracle Morning. And I've been doing uh, this morning. I just did The Miracle Morning where you do 10 minutes of meditation, 10 minutes of visualization, 10 minutes of journaling and 10 minutes of affirmations. And then you do 20 minutes of, of exercise. So you combine all these tasks into an hour and that sets you up for the entire day. I mean, you know, anyone who's a motivational speaker, a professional an entrepreneur, they have a certain way they start their day. And how you start your day is how you put your foot out into the world, how you're going to show up that day. So starting your day on the right foot for me has been great. Like, and it's not going to be like an everyday thing. Like some days you might do everything and start your day great and you, and you might not have a great day, but just putting that system in place of always doing the same things in the morning is going to make your day a lot better. You're going to be more productive. You're going to have a better mindset. You're going to be more positive. And it could be different for anyone. But for me, the times that I have, you know, that structure in the morning, that's been the best. For sure, man. And it's like that Tony Robbins calls it hour of power or 30 minutes to thrive, 15 minutes to fulfillment, whatever you want to do. Everybody has their own definition. Everyone's got their own thing. But I I mean, that's so true. Even in my own life, like this morning, I, I woke up. I didn't prep for the interviews. I had a big guest coming on before this, and I, I knew I had this call uh, afterwards that I was going to kind of freeform. But I wanted to definitely prepare, you know, read up on on what we were talking about for the call earlier. And so I woke up at six. The call was at six thirty, so I had to make my breakfast, and then it was it just felt really rushed. It felt like I didn't get any time for myself. It felt like. Uh, I couldn't journal. I couldn't read the stuff I wanted to. I couldn't relax. And so I was in this kind of like anxious, hyper anxious mode. I had a lot of anxiety. And so I think I went into the first call in that kind of roundup mindset and it didn't come out the way I wanted it to. And I was a little like down on myself. I know we were talking about before this, but you know, what's you know, it's crazy. You mentioned Robbins and his and his protocol. Everybody has their own system or, or whatever it might be. These people, though, they don't deviate like they could be on vacation in Barbados. They still do yeah. their same no matter what's going on, because they know if they do that one thing, that system in the morning, that it makes their entire day different. And I, that is a goal of mine to always, to always uphold that, you know, to always start my day in that specific way. Like you even mentioned it right now, 
Like I, I didn't start my day how I wanted to. And I was kind of rushed in the morning and then, and then it impacted the way that you want to show up. Like the cool Clark that you are, you weren't able to like really shine light on that because the day was started, not how you know you wanted it to be. And I think yeah. anybody who wants to achieve, uh, that has to be in place. And, and luckily you and I have the luxury of being able to structure our days. And so the person who's working the nine to five, yeah, maybe that does mean if you got to do an extra hour and you got to get your kids to school. Maybe that does mean you get up an hour early at like five o'clock in the morning. Maybe it does mean it, but you know what? Your day's going to be better and you're going to thank yourself for it. And you're worth it. You're worth that hour. You're worth that 30 minutes. You're worth that 15 minutes. Like, what are we saying to ourselves when we don't have the time? No, you make the time. You you, you do the rituals. And so talk about needing to take my own advice. Yeah. I get but- to structure my old day and I'm still like rolling out of bed, you know, brushing my teeth and then hitting the research before a podcast that I, I put off to the last minute. Parkinson's law right there. And you're going to think like, you know, people that have kids might be listening and they're going to say, well, you don't have kids. You don't know what it's like. Yeah, you like, don't know what it's like. I understand what it's like because I've trained people that had kids. My, I have a, I have a niece, I have a nephew, like I get it, yeah. but stop watching television. Like stop doing things that are hour, hour and a half commitment of your day where you're just turning your brain off. Like stop doing those things that aren't making you better. Like if someone's listening and they actually want to get better, they're probably not going to say like, oh, well, you don't understand you have kids. And if they do, well, then there's the belief right there that needs to get rid. You need to get rid of that. Sure. Yeah, you can always you can always do it. Cool, man, dude. Like an hour flew by, 45 minutes. I don't, I don't really know what the timer is because we were talking beforehand. Uh, yeah. This is so cool. Talking a lot about technology, accountability, lifestyle design, habit change, um, all stuff you bring up on your show. So kind of tell us real quick the SparkNote version of Wellness Force podcast and what you got going with that. Yeah. So the, the cool part is, is that it launched on the 22nd and it's been a couple weeks and I'm so stoked that we got picked for number one in fitness and nutrition on new and noteworthy, which I had no idea that was going to happen. I was super stoked that at least the content resonated with people enough for it to be there. So the show is all about behavior change and wellness technology. So we're bringing on inspiring people, passionate people, people like Fabio Camana, people like Joel Jameson, people that are actually making an impact by either creating these devices that are in the, the field of behavior change that are moving the needle through technology so that people can have better wellness. These are the types of guests that we have on the show because what I'm struggling with, even still after 10 years and 10,000 sessions is being that person is being that person who has those behaviors that support that life of ultimate wellness. So the goal of the show and what I want to do is I want to help a million people. So before I leave the planet, I want to touch a million people's lives with this technology for their wellness. What does that look like? Like Like a million downloads? Yeah, it could be it could be a million downloads. It could be uh, downloads combination of hits to the website. So I don't really know exactly what it um, looks like on a on a you know where the, where they're going to show up and how they're going to show up. I just know that like that's my goal to to reach a million people because I know if I do that, then I can create a lifestyle by design where I can create content, bring people on, create products that help people understand how to use this technology, and that will be the life that I want. And I'll be doing something that I love. Awesome, Josh. So Wellness Force Radio, uh, iTunes, they just search it and find out what you're doing. I mean, they already listen to podcasts, so I think that's the best place to send them. Go check yeah. it out, guys. Obviously. Uh, anyway, man, great having you on. This is a fun conversation. I mean, I love I love our back and forth, and we have to do it again. It's, it's cool getting friends on the show and just relaxing. 
breath of fresh air, you know, Definitely. Well, thank, Thanks for having me on, man. And if anything that I said resonates with you or if somebody listening is like, wait a minute, I don't understand that. Or if you just want to like write me hate mail, just do it. Josh at wellnessforce.com. Write them hate mail, guys. Yeah. All right. In, in a higher regard. So it's almost like, I think what I'm struggling with now is like when I'm in this position where I'm like, have like giving advice to other people about how they should live their life. Like yeah. I, I get to live my life the way I get to walk the talk. Right. So that's kind of like what I'm struggling with, dude. And then below that is a structure of belief systems that I'm still seeking therapy and still seeking work for like work in progress, baby. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that, that's, that, that's what this thing is, dude. So no matter, no matter how far along you get on your journey, like you're yeah. still kind of carrying baggage from, from the past, at least me, I'm speaking in my persona. So dude, but I every, agree. I agree. I mean, in terms of holding yourself to a high standard, I think everyone in the health sphere should be doing that. And I know I, I do. Um, and, and it's, it's something you can't help, but doing it if you care about what you do. And so, you know, if you're talking about like a lot of things I talk about with like meditation or personal development ideas or, you know, negative self-talk, automatic negative thoughts, yada, 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 and you start doing them or you start slipping up on your meditation practices or you're hosting a podcast show and then you go eat Ben and Jerry's, you know, or, or, or better, better one yet, man. I remember last year, um, I was hosting the Paler Hacks podcast and I have a chewing tobacco addiction. I've, I've kicked it now, but you know, it comes back from time to time. So I would uh, literally f- hard. That's a hard one. I, I would literally finish a podcast about going gluten free and removing toxins. <laughs> 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 and then I would, I would like yeah. spit in my cup and I was just like, what are you doing, man? And that, that, that lack of consistency and integrity <laughs> Of where you're talking about toxin <laughs> removal and like, yes, that's so important. Oh, that causes cancer. Oh, how dare those people consume those toxins? Not us on this holy show, right? Yeah. We're, we're so much above that. But let me go yeah. pop a dip and spit like a madman, you know? <laughs> totally. Like, oh. Totally. I, so I, I get that, man. I get that for sure. Yeah. Well, it doesn't take away from the good you're doing because you're still doing the good. But on the backside, the part that, or at least I'm speaking from my mind, like the part that I want to hide is the part that I'm still trying to figure out. Like I've got a lot of it figured out. And I would say above the gamut, like with most people, I'm in that percentage of people that knows more than most. But the way that it shows up in my life and what I'm still working through is this fucking self-talk, is this mentality mindset of like, Am I good? Am I not? Am I cool? Am I on top of it? Do I have what it takes? Self-worth? Da, 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 da. Yeah. And, and no matter what age you're at or what stage of life you're at, like people go through that. You can be 60 and have that conversation with yourself. You can be 60 so, and still worried about like if you took the right path or where you should be going in the next 10 years. Like I, those things never go away. And we think we're going to have it all figured out once we get this magical career, once we get exactly. the magical relationship, and then we can just coast <laughs> and now we're this happy person. But like, I, I mean, for real, dude, yeah, it still keeps popping up, popping up. And I think the more, though, you realize that, that it's going to be there, it's going to persist, it's going to pop up your whole life. It's almost really refreshing to know that the work you put in now 
is going to pay off in 20 years, in 30 years, in 40 years when you have the strategies to get yourself out of those places when you maybe have a little too much on the fourth and eat like shit and then wake up and feel like crap and have negative self-talk. Like you're the kind of person who invested in himself, developed the strategies it takes and the skills and the knowledge to get yourself out of that place later on. Yeah. 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 I think, I think in my mind though, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to say one thing, then I better do it. Right. Because I want to be authentic. I want to, I want to be in the same space of my words as my actions. I want that to be a mirror. So that's the disconnect, but it's also the human experience. Like that's, that's what I get to figure out here on this planet. 